Well, welcome to Cathedral of Faith. I want to welcome all of those watching online, and I want to give a special Father's Day shout out to my dad. I love you, dad. We love you, and he tunes into this 10 o'clock service. And so glad that all of you are here. It is a very special weekend. We've been in this series called Wisdomatic, learning how to grow in wisdom, asking God to help us to grow in wisdom. Wisdom is it's different than having knowledge. It's more. You can have knowledge, but wisdom is more than that. You can have morals, and it's good to have morals, but, but wisdom is more than just having good morals. Wisdom is about having insight, divine insight, into the way that life works best. It's like when Sherlock Holmes walks into a room, and he notices things. And he sees this and he sees that. And he's able to put things together in a way where other people that are in the room, they just don't see it. Uh, God trains us in wisdom so that when we walk into a life situation, we can see life from a divine point of view and put his wisdom into practice. That's what we're aiming for. Can we give God praise? Amen. <laughs> wisdom for life. Wisdom. For life's complex decisions. In fact, on the value of wisdom, I'm going to invite everybody to stand with me. Wherever you're at on campus, in the main building, out in the amphitheater, I want us to read this verse out loud together and fill this place with the word of God. Everyone say this verse with me. Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. Whatever else you get, get insight. Love wisdom, and she will make you great. Can we say that last line together? Love wisdom, and she will make you great. Say it one more time. Declare it. Speak to your spirit today. Everybody say it with me. Love wisdom, and she will make you great. Can we give God praise for his word? Amen. The word which directs us. Love wisdom, and she will make you great. Last week, I asked, did you notice that wisdom is described as a she? And all the women said? Amen. Amen, just saying. But before you're seated, well, God, we thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for our cathedral family here on this campus, around the Bay Area, those who are watching online from around the world. God, I pray that over these next few moments, we would hear the one word of wisdom. There'll be a lot of things that are shared, but let's hear, let us hear the one word of wisdom that will be our aha moment, that we'll take hold of it, it will take hold of us, and we'll leave here transformed because we've met you in this place. That's our heart, that's our desire. All God's people said... Amen. Before you're seated, look at someone and tell them you're looking wiser already. Amen. You're looking wiser already. Now, it is Father's Day weekend, and we wanted to do something a little bit different today. A few months ago, when I first met our, our guest artist, uh, Zorro, I met him, and after just a few minutes of talking with him, I thought to myself, this is the guy. This is my brother from another mother. Have you ever met somebody like that? There's just a kinship of spirit you have with them. 
that you're on the same page, you have the same DNA, spiritually speaking, and we were looking for the opportunity to try and, and do something together, and this weekend, I'd like to spend the next few moments talking with our guest. He has so much wisdom to share what it looks like for the book of Proverbs to be lived out in someone's life journey. We're going to look at that. I believe God's going to speak to your heart, speak to my heart. And then at the end, him and the worship team are going to wrap up service with another great song and celebration. So I want you one more time, would you give a great big welcome back to our guest for the day, Zora. Would you welcome him? Thank yeah. You. Thank you, Pastor Kenny. Hey, <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Oh, man. So good to have you here. Awesome. Awesome oh. to be here. Awesome to be here. It is, it is great to have you here, Zorro. And, you know, we're in this book of, uh, this series on the book of Proverbs, which, um, which was written to help, you know, it was written to help uh, sons and daughters and those in future generations really know how to, to live lives of wisdom, to show them what that would look like. And I know one of your life verses is from the book of Proverbs. It's about the heart. Can you share what the verse is and then why that verse is so important to you? Sure. It is uh, Proverbs 4.23, and the scripture says, above all else, notice what it says, above all else, guard your heart. Can we stop right yeah. there? Everyone say that with me. Guard uh, your heart. heart. Say it again. Guard, guard your, your heart. heart. Go ahead. Yeah. Above all else, guard your heart, for from it springs forth all of the issues of life. So everything that you go through in your life is filtered through the flux mm -hmm. capacitor, the mm -hmm. heart. It's filtered through the heart. Every bad decision you make, every good decision you make, everything comes through your heart, whether you're going to be bitter, whether you're going to be resentful, whether you're going to be hateful, spiteful, uh, greedy, everything flows through your heart before it gets anywhere else. So to me, that scripture is about guarding your heart so that you don't let the world system jade you, so that you don't let disappointment get you mad at God or the people. And to really live a Christ-like life, more than anything, you've got to protect this, because every day this is under attack from something in the world. And this is the key to, this is the key to living above the, uh, above the danger zone, because the danger of the heart, it's a tricky thing, man. It can deceive you and lead you astray, but you've got to guard it. So in my life, I've tried to do my best to I've been just as disappointed as anybody else in here, been lied to, been stolen from, been cheated on, all those things, but I've guarded my heart to the point where I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to let any of that jade me, I'm not going to let that uh, make me hate those people, I'm going to speak blessing over them even though they tried to curse me, mm -hmm. but that's, that's guarding the heart. And then in, in the end, you're the one who's free, because when Amen. you hold on to those things, you become a slave to the things you hold on to, and I want to run the race of life unshackled and free to reach my destiny. Amen. Well, that's a great word for Father's Day weekend. Well, guard your heart. What a powerful word. Uh, Zorro, it is Father's Day weekend, and uh, there, there's a scripture in Proverbs that reads this way. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, teaching him to seek God's wisdom and God's will for his abilities and talents. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, on this Father's Day weekend, not everybody has grown up um, with a, a, a dad in the home, sure. or maybe they didn't know their dad. Uh, 
You know, we all come from families that have brokenness and there's some dysfunction. Everybody's normal until you get to know them and you find <laughs> out that, you know, everybody's got some level of dysfunction. And I know growing up, when you were growing up, you faced a very difficult situation because your dad was not present in the home. In fact, he left and, um, and your mom was left to raise you. But you had a godly mom yep. and you had a heavenly father. And how did that help you to overcome the adversity you, you faced as a child? Well, first of all, I faced an incredible amount of rejection when my father left when I was six months. He left, and not only to leave, but uh, when he moved back to Chicago, he told everybody that I had died, that me and my mother died in childbirth. Um, but uh, God had something else to say. I was alive in Christ. I was not dead. Amen. And uh, <laughs> rumors of my death were highly exaggerated, as Mark Twain said. <laughs> right. Rumors of my death were highly exaggerated. But so I grew up with a lot of heartache and pain. My mother raised, uh, she was from Mexico City. She raised seven children on her own. At one point, we lived in our 1962 Chevrolet Nova in the mountains of Oregon. And we moved about 30 times by the time I was in the fourth grade, often moving with my red radio flyer wagon. So I grew up abandoned, rejected. I wrote letters after letter to my father, but he never replied. But fortunately, I had a godly mother who had an incredible amount of faith, and I saw how she persevered through life, and I saw how she clung to Jesus through all the trials, and God was faithful to us. This is the seven of us. We lived in Compton, California, if you've ever heard of Compton. I'm straight out of Compton, uh, for real, <laughs> for, for real. And, th and those, this is a God story right there. So that's me at 18 months old, you know, uh, scratching my head going, where's Papa? Um, <laughs> But the only thing he left me, he left by accident, was a set of bongos. Those are bongos underneath my stroller. Wow. So, so uh, God has a sense of humor. I would have no idea that my, my destiny was dangling beneath my infant feet. And so sometimes God has a sense of humor. But, um, you know, where are the bongos in your life? Where, what has somebody left you and left you for dead? God always has a way of turning those stories around. Amen. That's the business he's in. So ask the Lord, where's my bongos? What, what I appreciate, too, Zora, is you've been able to rise above that, and, and you made a choice that my history is not going to determine my destiny. In fact, we have a, a picture of, of your family today. Can we take a look? Yeah. Tell us who's in that picture. That's, uh, that's, that's somebody uh, posing as me with the same exact hat. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not, no. That's me, my wife, Renee, and my two children, Jared and Jordan. I've been married for 24 years. When I was a young boy, one of the things that I told God, I said, one day I want to be uh, a great man of God. I want to be a husband. I want to be a loving husband. I never saw my mother with a loving husband. And I want to be a great father. More than wanting to be a great drummer or speaker or teacher, I wanted to be a great father. And that was my desire. And uh, so God fulfilled that vision and dream. And my children are now 19 and 16. But people always ask me, what's your favorite gig in the world? All the people you played for. I said, my favorite gig is being a dad because that's a chance to make up what was wrong in my life. Wow. Well, one other thing that's impressed me, Zorro, is that um, you know, so many folks, when they grow up without dad's presence or you know, with an abusive dad, uh, some kind of dysfunction in the family, they really struggle with their sense of identity. They're always trying to prove themselves in life, looking for that father's blessing that they never, they never received as a child and may never receive. Right. How are you able to navigate that and, and find your identity in, in your spiritual roots? 
I think when I was about 11 or 12 years old, I gave my heart to the Lord at a Baptist summer church camp. The pastor, his name was Reverend Williamson, and he, uh, we couldn't afford anything. He bought me a pair of shoes, and he paid for me to go up to the camp. And uh, I remember going up to the Billy Graham song, you know, Just As I Am, and I gave my heart to the Lord. And I started reading in, in, in the scriptures, and I started studying the Bible very intensely. And I finally found out at a young age that I didn't have to win God's approval. I've spent, I spent the part of my childhood trying to win my father's approval. I figured if I, you know, I could tell him about my report cards, if I'm doing good, but he never responded. And so I realized, well, here's the God of the Bible, the creator of the universe, who says that he's calling me a friend. He's the only person I don't have to, in this life we're so used to performing, we're so used mm -hmm. to winning uh, people's approval and people's affection. And when I finally really studied the Bible and realized that he already loves me, unconditionally. I don't have to earn it. Now, it's easier for me to understand, and you that are parents, it's easy to understand because if you have children, you love your children no matter what. And you don't, if you had two children or you had 20 children, you wouldn't run out of love because nobody can run out of love. It's, it's limitless. So when I realized that God loves me and I don't have to earn his love, then I, I began to base my identity and it began to give me confidence because I began to believe, well, I'm created in this world for something special. I'm, I'm put on this planet by God. And if you read all the scriptures of what he talks about, how he feels about us, he loves us. And so it set me free from trying to make my identity. I was half Mexican. I, I was half Irish. Those were my cultures. But I didn't really feel like it belonged to either of them. I grew up in Compton. I felt more black than anything, but I didn't look black. So <laughs> I, I was just like, like, well, who am I? You know, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, nobody really receives me. And so I figured, you know what? No, I'm not going to make my identity and my culture I'm not going to make my identity, and when I got older and I became a successful drummer, I'm not going to make my identity in what I do, because what I do can change. You can't put your identity in your good looks, because eventually you're going to get old and they're going to fade away. You can't put your identity in your money and your success, because tomorrow you can get in an accident and it'll all be gone. You have to put your identity in something that's eternal, and that eternal thing is that you are an adopted son and daughter of the living God. It's unchanging. And that's the rock-solid foundation yeah. for, for your identity. Um, let's talk about the power of words, how words, uh, the, the proverb says this about the power of words, that life and death are in the power of the tongue, that what we say matters, and we can speak life over people. And uh, tell us about your experience with words, words that were spoken over you that helped to bring out life and vision and dreams in you. Absolutely. When I was 17 years old, I had just been playing drums for about a year. I started when I was 16, and uh, there was a concert in town in Eugene, Oregon, and I, I went and, and I tried to meet the band, and I got to meet them, and they were one of my favorite jazz groups. And then I asked them after their sound check, could I get on the drums and show you what I could do? I was very zealous. I got up there, and I played. And I remember the bass player turning around looking at me with a big, huge Kool-Aid grin on his face. And he goes, man, he goes, kid. He goes, you're going to be one of them superstar drummers. And man, I just lit up like a Christmas tree. And inside, I just, nobody had ever said, that he spoke to my potential. Now, to this day, I can't tell you if he really meant it or not. <laughs> I only know that I believed that he believed yeah. it. And, I, and then when I started struggling, when I moved down to Los Angeles pursuing my career in the industry and I got rejected over and over, I just kept repeating that one single sentence he said, 
you're going to be one of them superstar drummers. And I would play it over and over like a tape recorder. So it's true. Most of our lives, everybody in this room, most of our lives have been changed by a single sentence. Mm. One sentence has given us a lifetime sentence, either for bad or good. Somebody could have spoken a negative word over you when you were young, and that derailed you, and that changed the course of your life. Or somebody could have spoke a positive word. When I travel around the world, as I do everywhere I go, I'm always mindful that I'm always speaking words of life to people. Mm. I'm always speaking words of encouragement, when I'm in restaurants, when I'm on planes, trains, buses, automobiles, more than anything in our Christian life, in our Christian walk, the most important thing we could do is offer kind words and kindness to people. That's the greatest testimony that you can possibly have. Well, what we speak, what we say matters. Words matter. In fact, I I just pray that, that that will be what we'll do this week, just to speak life over the valley. What was the word that your mom spoke to you? Uh, yeah, I'll tell you that yeah. story. So uh, when I was seven years old, my only influence in my life was my mother. We had seven children, but unlike most families, we didn't have uncles, aunts, grandparents, cousins. No, we had no extended family living near us, and I never met any of them. So my mother was it. And uh, my mother, even though we were poor, she was a very stylish woman and she used to like to wear scarves. And, uh, and one day when I was getting ready for my first grade school picture, I didn't want to be average. I wanted to stand out like Dr. Seuss said. Why fit in when you could stand out? So, so I wanted to stand out. I said, Mama, can I, can I wear your scarf? And she had this orange silky scarf. She's like, no, Mijo, you can't wear my scarf. Little boys don't wear scarves. I was like, well, I want to wear, my, I want to wear your scarf for my picture. I want to look different. And she goes, no, Mijo, all the boys will beat you up. Don't do that. It's <laughs> like a Raider game. <laughs> yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. But I was stubborn, and I kept pastoring her. And I said, Mama, I said, I saw Tom Jones on the Tom Jones show, and he wears a scarf, and he looks cool, and Elvis Presley wears a scarf. And she goes, okay, you got me there, Mijo, you got me. So I wore the scarf, but the, in the morning when, she, when I, she knelt down and tied her orange scarf around me, she knelt down and said, one day, my courageous son, you're going to do something phantasmical with your life. And that's the word she used. And she always spoke those kind of words over me. And she made me feel that even despite the circumstances of my life that looked totally grim, she, she put a dreamer spirit in me because she had faith in the Lord. So the, the, the words we carry, not only the, the words we speak to other people, but the words we receive or deflect. Because sometimes negative words will come to you, but you've got to deflect those. And you've got to go, I rebuke that. That's not me. That's not my destiny. So you have a, a role in that. And there's a quote in my book by Rudyard Kipling. He was the author of The Jungle Book. And the quote says, words are the most powerful drug known to mankind. Because everything we do in this world, every good and evil deed begins with words. Every war was started over words. Every war was ended over words. Everything we do, we speak it first. I'm going to be a great drummer. I'm going to kill her. I'm going to get even with that person. You know, we speak it first and then it comes to life. And that's why that scripture that you brought is so powerful because we don't realize the power of this tongue. So when you're walking around life, speak the right words because some people are one sentence away from committing suicide. Mm. If, if we knew, if we could all see in each other's hearts right now, if mm. we could look in each other's hearts, we would all walk around constantly hugging each other going, God, I'm sorry. Mm. I'm so sorry. Yeah. We don't see the pain that we all suffer in, and we put on our happy face every day, you know, but inside, many of us are hurting, and a kind word is the difference between surviving another day or quitting, because, I mean, honestly, if we could see inside each other, we'd just walk around hugging each other all day, Mm -hmm. going, God, I'm so sorry, I had no idea you're feeling that way, so 
The best thing you can do is offer mercy and kindness to people. And the easiest way to do that is through your words. It doesn't cost you anything. Speak life. Say that with me. Speak life. Boy, that's a powerful principle. Let's, let's talk about uh, a little bit about the, the platform that God has given to you. The Bible says in Proverbs, do you see a person skilled in his work? I'm looking at him right here. He will take his position before kings. And, and God's raised you up as a leader in the industry. Um, I mean, every drummer would know who you are, and you've played with some of the top artists in, in the world. I mean, you've played with Frankie Valli. Um, you've played with Lenny Kravitz. Yeah. You know, I think my wife has a crush on Lenny Kravitz. I'm not sure. <laughs> so, and then you played with Earth, Wind, and Fire. I mean, yeah. Philip Bailey doesn't get much better than that, right? You know, yeah, September. Yeah. So, I mean, you've been, you play with the very best. You are the very best. God has raised you up. You, you've, you've honed your skill. And he's given you incredible influence. Now, how have you tried to, to use that platform of influence to, to make an impact for the kingdom? That's very, very, very simple. Uh, everyone in this room has a platform. Your platform is your life. Everywhere you go, it's a moving platform because everywhere you go, there you are. All I've done is I've been faithful with every assignment that God's given me, with every band, with every group, with every situation. And I'm always looking for the one-on-one encounters that God gives me. So with all the groups I've traveled with, I've always been a blessing. I've always loved on those people. The main thing is that I've never judged people because we are all in a different place spiritually mm-hmm. and we're all in a different path and, and you can't expect everybody to be exactly where you're at. And maybe one day you're flying high and you're feeling on fire for God, but two years later you know, your wife dumps you and and cheats on you, and then now you're at the bottom. So I've learned never to, I don't judge anybody. My job is to love them. I'm not qualified to judge anybody, only God is. But the way I've been most effective in my life has been that I've offered people that love and offered people that grace and constantly being an encouragement to them. And and in in this way, I've, I've the Lord has used me to minister to many, many people, people in the highest of the high places. I've traveled with uh, the fourth richest guy in the world, Paul Allen, the co-founder of Microsoft. So God had put me before kings, but I've always been faithful to go down every little door. Nothing was too, too small and nothing was too grandiose to me because they all are about people. So our life and our platform, we all have a ministry, not just people up here speaking. Your ministry is your life and where you live it and who you're affecting and who you're touching. And everybody here has a ministry that they're going to be accountable for. And you can only use what God gave you. You can only use where you live and the job you have and the family that you have. You know, He's not asking you to do it in somebody else's body, but he's asking you to be faithful. If I've done anything in my life correctly, I have been faithful to the little things. And then God has continuously expanded those borders of influence because my heart is all about wanting to touch as many people as I can. I no longer see success or fame or any of those things as, as just that. I see it. I'm not afraid of more of it. I'll say, Lord, give me more so that I can reach more people. Because mm-hmm. the, the devil's got all kinds of heroes working for him in Hollywood. Why can't God have a few superheroes and maybe a guy named Zorro? Mm-hmm. What about you guys? You know? yeah. God needs some superheroes that are going to represent him in the world. You know, and people that are going to be really walking it. And I find that nobody, 
Nobody rejects love. Um, if you walk around, the Bible says that God is love. And when we are demonstrating love, we are the most like him. That's when we are identical to our Father. And if you walk around with that kind of love and you just say, Lord, let more of your light shine through me, you're going to affect people everywhere you go. And people will be drawn to you because we live in a dark world and people are drawn to the light. They don't even know what they're drawn to, but they're drawn to the... And when I, and when I meet people like that, they say, man, I just love being around you. I said, well, you know what you're saying. I said, it's the God who lives in me. It ain't me because yeah. me on my own is nothing. I said, but I do know this person named Jesus. He lives in me and he illuminates me. So what you're attracted to is what he created you to be attracted to, which is himself. But the Bible says he looks for a home to dwell in, which is the heart of man. He looks for, a, it's, like, it's like he's an alien. He's looking for a host. You're the host. Mm. You know, he's an alien from another world, right? But he's looking to live in a body and, and then demonstrate his power yeah. through a body. But he doesn't find very many willing vessels. And there's a scripture in 2 Chronicles 16.9. It says, for the Lord looks to and fro throughout the earth, looking for those whose hearts are truly given over to them so that he might strengthen them. So he's looking spirit to spirit. Is there anybody who's looking for me? Is there anybody who's clinging to me? Is there anybody who's waiting on me? And that person, I will invade their life. And then you will work the wonders of God through your life as, as you encounter people. But he's just looking for people that are willing. So I'm, I'm no more special than anybody in this room, but what I have always been is willing. Just, Lord, use me. I'm just a vessel. And the gifts that he's given you are just the means of which to connect with people. Because we all have been given something. I just happen to be giving a drumming gift, a speaking gift, and a writing gift. But the, the, goal, the gift isn't important. What's important is, that, is that who I'm going to encounter with that gift. Today I'm encountering you. Today this is my life. Today, this is my ministry. But when I get on the plane tonight, that'll be my ministry. When I'm walking around the airport, being nice to the people in the bookstore and the people sitting next to me, I'm looking for those opportunities to be a light of God to a dark world. Amen. Boy, what, a, what a tremendous example, Zoro. And that's so much wisdom for knowing how to, to live out uh, your faith here in the Bay Area. Uh, people are wondering, how do I reach people in a secular area, how can I reach people at work or at school? Well, it starts with, with love. It totally. starts with love. And as you love people, and then you've mentioned how most people, and it's been my experience too, I, I, people are open to prayer. If you'd say, what can I pray with you about? I mean, the person can, can be the, the, they may not believe, sure. they may be an atheist, mm -hmm. but, you know, just in case, yeah. they're willing to take a little prayer. Yeah. So just those two things working together can go a long ways toward reaching people with the love of Christ and, and making a kingdom impact with the influence that God gives to you. It's just simple. Walking in the ways of God are very simple. Man complicates it. You know, God is love, and we are just to demonstrate his love to the world. Mm. And that, it's so simple. I mean, the, and it's what we're all dying for. And I always tell people, if you, could, if you could see God for 30 seconds, anybody, you would run to that light like if your life depended on it. And so when people sense that light in us, they want to run to it because we're, we're, God put that, he put that thing in your heart that it's like a GPS tracker. You're always searching for him. You're always, you're always searching for something of another world because this isn't our, this isn't our permanent residence. That's we're right. just passing through. Yeah. Boy, but right. while we're passing through, that, like that quote says, while I'm here, let me do the most good I can of every single day of my life. And the question that I always ask myself every day and you should ask yourself every day is, whose life has gotten better today because I'm alive? Hmm. Whose life has gotten better? Because at the end, we're going to expire. 
I always say that life is a limited time offer. For a limited amount of time, God offers you life, but it has an expiration date, okay? There's a, there, your days are numbered, but your good deeds are not. The final count is left up to you. Mm. Oh, that's a good word, man. That's a... When you, when you wake up and you approach each day like that, life really is an adventure, and, and you're excited about seeing how God is going to work through your life that day. It just changes everything about your life. Um, Zoro, your book, Soar, you were meant to live for so much more. I, I, I love the book because not only is it, it inspirational, it's, it's very inspirational, but it's also very practical. The how-tos are, are here. Is, is there one life lesson that you feel like people need most today in being able to soar and become the, you know, the person God's called them to be? Sure. I would say to take ownership of what God has given you. Every single person in this room, without exception, whether you know it or not, you've been given a great gift. You've been given gifts of untold worth. It's called human potential. And guess what? Human potential knows no race, creed, or color. It's given to all mankind, but it's given to us in the form of a seed, okay? Everything that God gives us is in the form of a seed, but he calls you to be the farmer, and he calls you to grow that tree. So your goal in life, everybody here produces some kind of fruit. Maybe I'm an apple tree, and you're an apricot tree, and you're an avocado tree. You are a tree of some kind, I promise you, and you will bear fruit. The question is, will your fruit be tasty? If someone were to bite off of my apple, I produce apples, right? I want them to say, man, I, I met Zorro, I bit off his apple. Man, and it tastes good. I was satiated. I was hungry, and when I ate that apple, it fed me. Because the Bible says, whoever doesn't whatever tree doesn't produce is, get, is thrown into the fire. So we have to produce something, and you're going to produce it with your life. You're going to produce it with the gifts and talents that he gave you, but you're accountable to produce it. you got to get out there and plant. you got to water. you got to put the nutrients, the fertilizer. you got to put the, the plastic over the, over the crops. you gotta, you got to get the crows out of there and all the birds that are coming for your fruit, and you got to protect it so that when people meet you and they encounter you through your gift and through your talent, they're going to go, man, I, I got this awesome avocado, and you're that tree. Mm. And, and, and so that's, that's how I see things. I see everybody here is growing something. Now, the question is, are you growing a mealy apple? We've all had bad fruit, right? You, you go, how can an orange be that bad? And then it's terrible, and you spit it out of your mouth. But then we've all had a really juicy orange, right? I want to be a juicy orange. I want to be a juicy apple. But there are structures and strategies and plans that God puts in, in, into the universe, and that's what I wrote about in my books, because many of the steps of God are very practical. He's not making it like magic hocus-pocus, like you just one day arrive there. He gives you steps, right. and there are steps to achieving what he's put you on the earth to do, but you have to follow follow the protocol of those steps because God is orderly and many people don't know what those steps are or they try to skip past them. Remember, there's a difference between a dream and a delusion. Right. A, a dream from God will always have structure and substance and it will always require uh, perseverance, hard work, faith, uh, trust in him. All those, it requires all of those things. A delusion is just sitting down every day eating ice cream wanting to be ripped. <laughs> that's right. The only thing that's going to rip are your jeans. It's not going to work, huh? That's <laughs> the only thing that's going to rip is your jeans and your T-shirt. Uh, uh, that's right. <laughs> you know, so I think we live in a delusional world. These people want to be something, 
but without paying the price to be it. Mm. But the the sad thing is, you don't want to get to the end of your life and not have multiplied what God gave you. Because your whole life is about multiplication. He gave you something, and he said, it's the parable of the talents. I give you $10, come back to me with $1,000. Don't come back to me with that same $10 like you didn't do anything with it. Mm. And, And the other mistake that I think people make is we put people in categories. We think of people that are, we think that there's the super mega uh, talented people and then there's the rest of us. When the truth is, those people just worked harder. There's a lot mm. of quotes in the book that I share about, um, you know, there's one that I like, it says, the rarest thing a man ever does, the rarest thing a man ever does is the best he can. Mm. The rarest thing a man ever does is the best he can. So we all have so much potential to, be, to, to soar in a particular area that God's predestined us to soar in, but we have to work for it. We've got to mine out the treasure. And then when, we get, then when it shines, we've got to make sure we stay humble so that God gets the glory. Because the problem with man is when he shines, his pride comes, and he starts saying, I'm great because I'm great. The Bible says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So the key is, it's not a sin to be uh, claimed at something. It's not a sin to be successful. It's a sin to act like you did it on your own when God gave you the ability to begin with. Amen. Then nobody can enjoy the journey. So many great principles. Uh, Thank you for inspiring us, Oral. As we wrap things up, there's one other passage. Uh, we talked about this passage last week. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Um, maybe there are folks here on this weekend, we're so glad that you're here, but you've never uh, taken a step across the line. Every journey starts with a step and you've never stepped across the line and become a follower of Jesus. So what would you say to folks today who are, who are, they're right next to the line, but they've never really stepped across it and surrendered their life to Christ. I would say you must open your heart. Remember the first scripture we started with. If you are going to walk with God, if you are going to accomplish any of the purposes and will of God, it's going to be through your heart. It's very simple to understand. Everybody in this room wants to be loved by somebody. We're created to crave love, right? We all want to be loved. I'm married you know, you're married. We didn't want to force our wives at gunpoint to marry us, right? Because we might have had to, but in the beginning, in the beginning, but then they got used to it. Uh, (laughs) No, but uh, what I'm saying is in order for love to feel like love, love can only reach the highest expression through the advent of free will. So in order for me to feel love, somebody has to freely choose to love me. And in that way, we can all understand that because we don't want to coerce or manipulate anybody into loving us because it would never feel like love. If you watch the movie Bruce Almighty with uh, Jim Carrey, there's a scene in the movie where he gets to be God and he tries to get Jennifer Aniston to love him, but, but God, Mor- Morgan Freeman says, you can do everything, but you can't mess with free will. And he, he was like, love me, but he couldn't make her love him. And God will not make you choose him. He gives you the free will to choose him. So if you choose him, it's because you wanted to choose him. But he's, he's drawing you to himself. He reveals himself through creation. He reveals himself through all the glory of life and all the glory of living. But you have to say, I want you in my heart. Now I can tell you this. If you do not have the Lord in your heart, you will never have purpose. You will never have meaning. Life will, you will meander through, through life. It doesn't matter how rich or successful you become. Look how many people in Hollywood are killing themselves every day because the the, the 
false things of this world, the, the flesh does not satisfy the deeper cravings of the soul because God made an empty place. I see it almost like a pyramid inside of our soul. He, re- he made an empty place in your soul that cannot be filled with anything from the earth. There's nothing from the earth or fleshly vices that can satisfy that. And that's why we're all longing to, to know him. We're longing to, to be with him. So I would say to you, if you do not know Christ, or even if you do, open your heart wider. And open, if you don't know him at all, open it to begin with and invite him in because he will not reject the person who invites him. And, you're, and he will give you the direction. He will give you those steps. You will begin to hear his leanings and his promptings in your life. He is real and he loves you, but he will never force himself on you because that's how he created free will. You have to choose it yourself. As the team starts to get ready um, for the the last number, it's going to be a great number to celebrate God's love, but we want to give you a chance to make that decision to follow Jesus. Uh, Zora and I do. If you bow your heads with me for just a moment, wherever you're at on campus, those watching online, if you'd say, hey, Pastor Ken, I want to make that decision. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to step across the line and declare I'm a follower of Jesus. Today is my day. I don't want to put it off. I want this to be the day of salvation for me. And if you're making that decision today to say yes to the love of God, to become a follower of Jesus, would you slip up your hand real high? We want to agree with you wherever you're at. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you right down here. God bless you. Up in the balcony, you'd say, hey, Pastor Ken, that's me. All over the building. Those watching online, just lift up your hand real high out in the amphitheater. I invite everybody to say this prayer after me. Mean it with all your heart, and you can leave here beginning that relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Say this after me, everyone. Heavenly Father, I come to you. I need a Savior. I cannot save myself. And I believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world. I put my trust in him. I surrender my life to Jesus. I put him in charge. Thank you, God, for loving me like you do and making me a part of your family. Let's stay in the spirit of prayer. Keep your heads bowed. I want to ask one other question. Boy, I felt like this last service. If you're here and you would say, you know, Pastor Ken, I've got some dysfunction in my past. And I really see how that brokenness with my dad or brokenness in my past has been affecting my present and hindering my future. But today, that stuff that's gotten inside my heart, I want God to clean that out, to let go of any bitterness, resentment, anger, any of the wounds to ask ask God to heal those wounds so that we don't have to be bound by our past. And God's speaking to you today that he loves you, he cares about you, and you can stop trying to prove yourself to your earthly father, trying to earn his blessing. Instead, the heavenly father has put his blessing upon you. And the heavenly father loves you and says to you, this is my beloved son, this is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. If that's you and you're making that decision today to just open up 
your hurting heart to God and ask God to meet you in that moment, lift up your hand real high and say, Pastor Ken, that's me. I've got some dysfunction in my family, some brokenness with my dad. Father, you see us. You said that you will be a father to the fatherless and that you have a way of healing our hearts. Take our brokenness, make us whole. Take our mess and and bring a message out of it. Lord, take our brokenness and bring something beautiful out of it. God, take the pain and make it productive. Lord, release us from the past so we we can have a great future ahead that you're the one who's determining our future. We love you, Lord, and we give you honor and glory and praise. Thank you for being the Father that you are. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's give God praise. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God.